I don't really think there is is such a thing as an intrinsically bad person. Welcome to Private Parts. And that was her way of saying that I was too fat to wear certain clothes. I, you know, it sounds stupid. I had a beautiful relationship with my breath. The podcast that's not afraid to go there. I would like to think that that things could get could get a little bit better. Produced by Beth Gibson and Irrit Pollack. Today we're bringing you a story about two mums, two births, and one happy family. Kim and Nat have two beautiful kids, and their birth story is both ordinary and pretty unique. On this historic day in Australian history, we hope you enjoy this story about two gay women making a family and relishing every moment of it. It's really amazing because even though you're just meeting the baby for the first time, the moment that you lay eyes on them, it's like kind of like you've just known them your whole life. Yeah, it's like... It's hard to describe, but I think there is this feeling of familiarity. As soon as I laid eyes on her, it was like I've been waiting my whole life to meet you. It was the best thing ever. My name is Kim, and I live in Culver City, California. Okay, so hi there, my name is Natalie, and I am originally from Sydney, Australia, but I have been living in Los Angeles in the United States since 1978. I own a company that helps people have babies who otherwise wouldn't be able to. Kim and I, when we first met, we were really young. We were only 19, 20 years old when we started dating. And at the time, it wasn't so easy to be out, and it wasn't also so accepted by general society at large. You know, probably from the very beginning of our relationship, I was saying, I want to have kids, I want to have kids, and she was saying, like, no, I don't want to, not now, not now, maybe later. In particular, I think my family, being European, were fairly conservative socially in that regard, and so they had a really hard time wrapping their minds, especially my parents, around me coming out. So I think that really colored a lot of my thoughts around having kids for a long time. I mean, I was gonna have kids, and it was just never, ever a question that that it wouldn't happen. Kim's family is American and they are very liberal. Her parents were kind of beatniks during the 50s and it's just a very different upbringing and background to mine. Not everybody should be a parent, not everybody wants to be a parent, but for those people who really do want to be parents, it quite often comes in the form of a really compelling need. As we got a little bit older, we weren't, you know, 20, 21, 22 anymore. Things were also changing socially and culturally. It was a lot easier to be out. So it was about 10 years in when I I felt much more comfortable. We did something that you know, I would not recommend, and I don't recommend, but it was 22 years ago. We did a home insemination. So we had a friend who was a medical doctor and her wife was a nurse, and they came over and they did the insemination at home. 
The sperm was from a sperm bank, so it was okay, I mean, in terms of the legality of sperm donation, but technically speaking, it's just safer, better to do it not at home. But we weren't in that mindset then, so we did a home insemination with the one that worked. All the ones that didn't work were done in the doctor's office. The first one we did at home worked. And then two years later when we went to have our second child, we used the same sperm donor and the same nurse and doctor friend. It was pretty funny because when we did the first insemination, we had no kids and they had no kids. And so it was like, you know, candlelight and wine and trying to make it nice and special. And But when they came to do the second insemination, Abby was two years old, our daughter, and they had a son who was one. So we had like kids in the other room watching Sesame Street videos, you know. It was very, very different atmosphere. I was at my, my in-law's house for dinner, Natalie's parents, and actually I wasn't due for about three weeks, but I had a really strong sense that I was just done, I was ready, she was ready. She was supposed to be due the first week of May, and I really didn't want to have a baby the first week of May. I didn't want a Taurus. I know that's really terrible, but I just didn't want a Taurus. And then I went into labor. I mean, I started having contractions. It wasn't like in the movies where, you know, there was yelling and screaming and hot towels and like, it wasn't like that. Nobody was in a panic. There was no one rushing. It was very quiet and very peaceful. So if we went in the hospital at 7.30 and she was born at 2 a.m. So, you know, that's just not very many hours. Abby was born, really interesting. She was born on April 7th at 2 a.m., but it was daylight savings time. So at 2 a.m., she was born, and at like 2.01, all the clocks in the hospital were manually pushed an hour up. So when she was a minute old, she was an hour old, and it's very prophetic of who she is because she's a very wise, very much wise beyond her years type of, type of person. It was somewhat spontaneous. I mean, I was obviously with Kim throughout her whole pregnancy, and I really got to see how much pleasure and joy she got out of being pregnant. I mean, I was very hands-on and involved throughout the whole pregnancy, and then obviously at the birth and the delivery and all of that. So I got really excited about the possibility of being pregnant. when we were deciding to have a second one, we were actually full steam ahead on me getting pregnant again. Right before we were gonna start, Natalie just sort of offhandedly said, I think I might want to be pregnant. I never had felt like, oh, I have to be pregnant, but it seemed like such an amazing experience. I think I would like to try it. Having loved it so much, I knew that I couldn't deprive her of having that experience. So we changed gears and instead of me getting pregnant, she got pregnant the second time. 
What I had was a C-section, and we did it on the early side because our daughter was breech, completely breech. So she had her head up and her hips down. They did an ultrasound and they saw that there really wasn't enough fluid left in the amniotic sac to like be able to allow her to turn. So they decided that because the fluid levels were dropping and she wasn't going to turn, that it was probably a safe call to do a C-section. And with the C-section, it's pretty quick. I mean, they give you an epidural, and then as soon as you're numb, they pretty much open you up and take the baby out and then stitch you back up again. So it's, it's not a long process. It's an odd feeling, feeling uh, somebody rummaging around inside your abdomen and knowing there's no pain because you're numbed out, but thinking, oh, this is going to hurt later. And then they just lifted Jenna out. Our doctor, Connie, hooked her fingers under Jenna's hips and then lifted her up with her little butt up in the air, and it was, it was very cute. And that was actually how we found out she was a girl, too. The one thing that was really hilarious with her was that because she was breech, her legs were straight. So anytime you unwrapped her or unswaddled her, uh, her feet would like stick straight up out, like everything just fully extended. It was pretty cute. What was that moment like when the doctor handed the baby over? It was the absolute best, absolute best moment of my life. Yeah, it was. And it was, um, you know, it's really amazing because even though you're just meeting the baby for the first time, the moment that you lay eyes on them, it's like, kind of like you've just known them your whole life. It's somebody you've, you've always known. There's a familiarity that's really weird because of course you haven't really met them. You haven't laid eyes on them until that moment, except in an ultrasound. Yeah, it's like, it's hard to describe, but I think there is this feel familiarity. And also when you're pregnant and you've been carrying this little being inside you for so many months, you do feel a relatedness and a connectedness to it. But it's just the moment our eyes locked, it was for both of us like, this is the moment we've both been waiting for for our whole lives and there's really not really words for it. It's just an amazing experience that this is a human being that you've created and that you're holding. The familiarity is what's surreal because where does it come from? You know, it didn't feel like I was on the other side watching it. For both Natalie and I, even though I was pregnant the first time and Natalie was pregnant the second time, we both related to both pregnancies like my pregnancy was our first pregnancy and her pregnancy was our second pregnancy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, actually, at one point, my 
obstetrician joked with me when, while I was pregnant. She's like, you don't act like a woman who's pregnant for the first time. You act like somebody who's been pregnant before. It didn't feel like this was mine and that one, that was her pregnancy. It really felt like very much a shared experience. I mean, even though I hadn't been pregnant before, I'd gone through it all and I'd gone through it with Kim. So even though I'm a different human being to her, there's certain like universal parts to that experience. The timing of this interview is pretty funny because we've only been home now three days from moving our younger daughter into college. So both of our girls are in college now and we are empty nesters as of three days ago. Yeah, it's bittersweet. Actually, before my younger daughter just left to start university, we pulled out old family movies and put them up and we're watching her and her sister when they were really tiny. And it is very weird. We're in the house alone without the kids and... It does feel in the beginning like every stage is quite slow, but then sort of time has this way of picking up pace. I think a lot about all the years we had together and, you know, the best time in my life. But I haven't thought about her birth in a long time. Um, but it was singularly the best moment of my life. This episode was produced by Beth Gibson with help from Eric Pollack. Music is by Chris Zabriskie and Lee Rosevere. Thanks, and see you soon.